Welcome to Exploring Sacred Spaces, a Pardes mini-podcast series featuring the Maggid of Melbourne, Rabbi Dr. Levy Cooper. Throughout this series, the Maggid of Melbourne will be taking us on an exploration of synagogue architecture and what makes physical space fit for sacred action. And now, here's the Maggid of Melbourne himself, Levy Cooper. This is Levy Cooper, coming to you from Tsur Hadassah. My dear friends, I find myself at the juncture of two exciting building projects. At Pardes, work is proceeding on our building. And here in Tsur Hadassah, we are near completion of building our shul, our synagogue. Very exciting. So, I'd like to dedicate the following series to exploring various halachic elements and aspects of synagogue architecture and items that are commonly found in shuls. Let's begin by traveling back to 1787 to a responsum written by Rabbi Yecheskel Landau, known by the title of his collection of responsa, the Noida Biyahuda. And in 1787, the Noida Biyahuda wrote a responsum to do, to, which he sent to Trieste in Italy. And he recorded the question that he was asked. Someone from Trieste asked whether it was permitted to build a synagogue in the shape of an octagon rather than a rectangular structure. The Nodeb Yehuda responded and he said that there's no mention in Shulchan Aruch, the classic code of Jewish law, regarding how many angles a shul should have. Moreover, the Noida Behuda said that in all the early decisors from the period of the Middle Ages and before that in the Talmud Bavli and Talmud Yerushalmi, there is no description of the shape of a shul. And therefore, said the Noida Behuda, it appears to be that there is no particular requirement for the architecture, the basic architecture of a shul. Indeed, if we have a look at shuls in different times and at different places, they have different appearances. A, the, a synagogue that is built in Prague is not like a synagogue that we would build today in the modern state of Israel. Now, why do I mention specifically Prague? For two reasons. One, the Noida Yehuda served as the chief rabbi of Prague for almost 40 years. He was appointed in 1755 and he filled that role until he passed away in 1793. Second, 
Prague has the oldest active shul in Europe, the Altenoi shul. That shul was built in around the year 1270, so it's been operational for over 800 years. I'm sure many of you have visited that shul. It's an important historic monument. And it appears that the shul was originally built without a ladies' section. And only later was the women's uh, Ezrat Nashim added. Could have been that they took some of the uh, some of the public thoroughfare and added it to the building. It's not clear exactly what they where they took that extra area from. And then they opened small windows in the thick walls of the shul in order to join the main sanctuary with the corridor that was added for the women who wanted to come to shul. I think it's pretty clear to us that a synagogue built today cannot be even cannot even consider not having space for women. Moreover, when we build a shul, we certainly wouldn't want to take a public thoroughfare just to expand the shul. And there are other elements of uh, old shuls in Israel and around the world that have various uh, practices that we don't necessarily uh, adopt today. Uh, maybe another example could be many shuls used to also have a mikveh for women. For instance, in the old city, the Tiferet Yisrael Shul, also known as Nissen Bak, which today is the last area that has not been rebuilt in the old city of Jerusalem since Jerusalem returned to Jewish hands in 1967. Now that was the grandest synagogue in the old city of Jerusalem, and the Jordanians blew that shul up in 1948. The shul was built by Rabbi Yisrael of Ruzhin, the great Hasidic master, and in the basement it had a mikveh. Today that shul is being uh, rebuilt, but I understand that they're not planning on rebuilding the mikveh. Similarly, in Tetuan, in Moroccan, in Spanish Morocco, there is a synagogue known as Beit Knesset Yitzchak ben Walid, the shul named after the famous rabbi, Rabbi Yitzchak ben Walid. And that shul operated until 1968. Today it's a museum, and the shul, the synagogue, the, uh, also included a house for the rabbi, a second floor that served as the yeshiva, as well as an oven for baking matzahs, and in the basement, a mikveh for women. So I can tell you that I'm not sure that at Pardes we're planning to include a mikveh for women. I didn't see that on the pro, on the the in the plans. And here in Suradas also, we're not planning on having a mikveh for women, even though when we began uh, designing the shul, there wasn't a mikveh in Surah Hadassah. Uh, we were having a lot of uh, difficulties in establishing a mikveh here, in opening the mikveh. 
since then, we have a mikveh for almost 10 years. And uh, we've uh, changed the plans for our shul, and it won't include a mikveh. It's also not going to include a house for the rabbi. Let's go back to the responsum of the Noida Yehuda. Even though the Noida Yehuda said that a shul doesn't have a particular architectural structure, and a shul need not be a rectangle, but it could be a octagon, and for that matter, any other polygon. Nevertheless, the Noida Yehuda said it would. Be, it's good not to innovate new customs particularly in this generation. He wrote that in the 18th century. And he added that if the reason for uh, the octagon is in order to make more room, then there's no prohibition. In other words, the Noida Behuda is suggesting that when we come to build a synagogue, we are trying to walk a fine line between, on one hand, echoing our past, giving expression to our traditions, and on the other hand, making the best use of the area and the resources that we have. What about changes? Should we institute changes in the way we build our shuls? Now, this is obviously a much larger question, but I'd like to share with you a perspective on those changes. I'm not against changes. I think life is dynamic, and halacha comes from the term lalechet. It's in movement. But there's a difference in Hebrew between lalechet, to walk, and larutz, to run. When we walk, We look around at our surroundings. We take note. We breathe. We may listen to the birds as we make our way. That's not what we do when we run. When we run, if you go for a jog, we're trying to get to the end, trying to get to the destination. Maybe we look at the surroundings, but we just glance and we move on. We don't have time to meditate contemplate and consider. So when thinking about changes in halacha, the image that I have is one of walking rather than running. And the rule that accompanies me when we're thinking about changes in my own shul, the rule is that I would like our forebears, our mothers and fathers, our grandparents, to come into our shul and not feel that they've walked into a strange place. So when building our Beit Midrash at Pardes or the shul here in Sur Hadassah, it's not going to look like the Altanoi shul in Prague. It's not going to look like the Beit Knesset Yitzchak ben Walid in Tituan in Spanish Morocco. But having said that, well, if the Noida Behuda 
or the Heli Kirishina, or Rabbi Yitzchak ben Walid, or any of the pre, uh, predecessors who we draw inspiration from, if any of them, or our fathers, our mothers, going back in all the generations, were to walk into these spaces, they would see some things that they may be not really used to. I imagine that they'll look at the various innovations, some of them they'll approve of, others they may feel that we've, we're in error, that we're mistaken. But my hope is that when they walk into these holy spaces, they still feel at home. And they would walk into, whether it's the Beit Midrash at Pardes or Al Shul here in Sor Hadassah, that they would say, Ein ze ki im Beit Elohim shar This is surely a house of God, and this is the gate to heaven. What will they see when they walk into these spaces? Well, for that, I invite you to join me in the next episode as we begin to have a look at various elements inside shuls. That's all for now. Until the next time, to the Beat Midrash! Thank you for joining us for Exploring Sacred Spaces, a Pardes podcast production featuring the Magid of Melbourne, Levy Cooper. If you like what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Follow us on your favorite streaming platform or subscribe to our newsletter to receive Pardes Torah direct to your inbox. Thanks for listening.